Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 162 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracle. Jacob. I know. I hurt my wrist. It's the same. I feel your pain because you got the exact same one that I broke a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. Don't you always have to wear something? Yep. So that's something to look forward to. Well, I just heard it because I was boxing and... I don't punch well. That's well, pretty much. That's kind of. That's, that's pretty much it. I should never try anything athletic. Well, that's, that's kind of disaster. the point of of taking boxing, so you can learn how to punch correctly. Remember, yeah. keep, don't put your thumb in between your hands and. I mean, you can't really do that in a boxing glove. <laughs> oh, I guess that's a good. Point. They have they have their own spot. Yeah. I'm just getting prepped, so when you annoy me, I I'm ready for it. Oh yeah, that's what I need. I, I need can you to handle get, it. I need you to get better at punching me in the face, <laughs> as per our infamous uh, sucker punch picture. We all yeah, know that's you. right. Back in back in the day. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just trying to take some of this uh, misery and rage and really just get it out. And I'm finding that punching it helps. It does. Um, Kicking is good too. Also, just I've decided to lean into the sadness. Okay, that's, that's it. An, you know, I'm, I'm not one. fighting it anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, I feel that we should all just lean into it because sometimes a big cathartic cry is just what's needed to make it through a tough week. It's certainly a good, It's for the last couple of years, it's certainly been a good time to do said crying. I mean, just being a person in this world is exhausting. I've been saying that for years. And weeping, it really recharges your batteries. It does. Get a good cry out there. Like, uh, I mean, it. feels good. And one of the best ways to get the waterworks a-going is to watch a tear jerk movie oh absolutely i mean is there anything better and it works for me like like whoa i'm very affected oh i i have very specific triggers i know exactly what will do it and as soon as i see it coming i'm like oh great here comes a dog oh oh, here comes an animal so today we've assembled some of what we feel are the saddest um, most cry worthy flicks ever and they're all gonna get you in the mood for sobbing because that's what we're going for. What better way to lead into the end of summer <laughs> than with a good old cry? It's movie. really, that's a really good way to say goodbye to summer. You might want to invest in a good amount of tissue boxes before watching some of these films. We're just saying. Um, also, we don't do this a lot, but huge spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. In order to talk about what is sad in these movies, we will be sharing some crucial details. They are essential. If you haven't seen the film, I don't know, hit the little 15-second skip button, but mostly they're older films. Um, But you have been warned. There will be spoilers. And, oh, there will be tears. (laughs) <laughs> maybe try that i hate that the crying is making me laugh i mean we will maybe have to homer cry throughout a little bit of levity here okay so i'm gonna start right off the bat i'm going into dead poet society oh you're going with one of the big ones i'm going right there so This film, a new English teacher, John Keating, played so beautifully by the late Robin Williams. He's introduced to an all-boys preparatory school that is known, and it's like the ancient tradition, kind of high standard, hoity-toity school. 
And he uses really unorthodox methods to reach out to his students who are facing these really enormous pressures from their parents and from the school. And with his help, students Neil Perry, played by Robert Sean Leonard. Sweet. Oh, so Sweet a, Neil. I hear a swoon in your voice. Yeah. Um, I, I loved him very much. And then Todd Anderson, this is an early Ethan Hawke, and others learn to break out of their shells, pursue their dreams, and seize the day. Well, that sounds like an uplifting movie. It does. It seems like it would have what you call a happy ending. <laughs> so what we've done with these films is I'm going to break them down is the reason why you're going to cry and then what your weepiness level will be, which I think is helpful depending on the kind of cry that you need. So the reason you're going to cry is that in this movie, we have, first of all, Robin Williams is the teacher that you always wanted. Right. So you're sad right there. You have a group of young men trying to find their way in this really scary, unknown world. They have Mm -hmm. overbearing parents who won't quit meddling and the life-altering power of literature. And let's just say that this is way harder on some students than others. Yeah, little, little, some guys can't exactly hold up to the pressure. We'll, we'll say it that way. They feel that they just can't. Uh, just The weepiness level, this is the kind where you have to really hold in your sobs to not draw attention to yourself. This is what we call a shoulder uh, jerker. <laughs> yes, like you're that's you're not doing it, but the, uh, the shoulders keep going up and down. <laughs> that's a really good description of it. So, yeah. Get it flowing. Start with some dead poet society. Get, All right. Get yourself some warm tea because it's gonna be it's gonna be a whole thing, everybody. <laughs> Who do you have for us? All right. So the majority of my cries involve animals. I don't think anybody's okay. surprised there. That's so you're gonna fair. hear a bunch of animal ones. But I think we're gonna start with the most infamous of all the cry movies, 2008's Marley and Me. Yeah. Oh, oh boy, guys. Owen Wilson and Jennifer Aniston are enjoyable in this movie, as oh, is... Oh, sad. The, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. My dog's getting old. So, <laughs> so the, the whole movie is the life of the of this adorable little dog. He's so bad, family. though. He is. He's a bad little dog, but he's bad. also endearing over time. Correct. And as the movie goes, the dog keeps getting older and older. <sighs> until as, you're like, as will happen. At about the halfway point of the movie, you're like, wait a minute. I see where this is going, and I do not appreciate it. <laughs> And then in the last half hour of that movie, oh, they are really pushing the knife in on Marley getting old. Yeah, they're really, like, they're, oh. they're they're aiming for it. They're like, where's your heart? Boop, boop. There is specifically one scene involving Owen Wilson laying on the uh, living room floor with Marley when she's like really old. And oh. it's like, oh, oh my God, it's going to kill you because he's one that doesn't even really want the dog in the first place. Yeah. But over time, he's like, oh, I just, I love this pup so much. And then the inevitable happens. Oh, I'm getting all sobby-eyed just thinking about it. I know. Um, there was also a book, a uh, 2005 book, uh, autobiographical one by a guy named John Grogan. Cause yeah, it's it about his, his puppers. It's about his dog. So if you are looking to get some animal-related trauma and a good, <laughs> a good animal cry going, you, you, you really cannot go wrong I mean, with Marley and me. I have a dog one on my list, too, that we'll get to. I'll oh. space it out a little because they're really just mean. That's why I have another one on here that's like a redeeming dog one. Oh. Okay, that'll be good. All right, here we go. Next one. Uh-oh. Sophie's Choice. Oh, geez. Oh, Jesus, right. That's the Meryl Streep oh. uh, pinnacle cry movie right there. Heck, yeah. Like... Pinnacle cry. So it's, the, it's such a well-known cry that it's a part of American vernacular now. That's really true. I mean, Sophie's Choice really is, which is why I don't think the spoiler will be much of no. a spoiler. But the basis of the film is that you have this guy, Stingo. He's this young writer, and he moves to Brooklyn in 1947 to begin work on his first novel. And then he starts to become friendly with Sophie, who, as Jacob said, is played by Meryl Streep, and her lover, Nathan, played by Kevin Klein, who's 
great in the I film. I kind of forgot Kevin Klein. Exactly. Was in and we learned that Sophie is a Holocaust survivor. Already starting off on a great foot. Yeah. Flashbacks reveal her like just terrible story from this pre-war prosperity to Auschwitz. And then in the present, Sophie and Nathan's relationship increasingly unravels because he's like schizophrenic. I mean, it's a really cr- they just like loaded on yeah, things like, on top of things. Like, what more could we put on here to make it more depressing? Exactly, but you know, Meryl does it. I mean, she won an Oscar for this because and deservedly so. Deservedly so. So again, the reason you're gonna cry, there's there's a few of them, but the the titular choice in this movie is synonymous with devastating no win situations. It's why Jacob said it's really just in our vernacular now. Um, the choice, if you haven't seen the movie, spoiler, is the moment when Sophie was forced to choose which one of her two children to send to their death in this um, Holocaust camp. Yeah. It's a big surprise, everybody. Nazis, not great people. Not great. So she has to choose, plus the ending. Holy moly. This weepiness level here. This is some existential crisis-induced sobbing. And pretty much a lingering sadness that will hit you again without warning for the rest of your life. Yeah, every once in a while, you'll look at Meryl Streep in another movie and you'll just be like, ah. <laughs> and you'll just start screaming for no reason. Miranda and Devilworth Prada, and you're like, but, but Sophie. Yeah. Sophie wouldn't have made that decision, Miranda. <laughs> Jeez. So, yeah, that one. That one's that, gonna. That's cathartic right there. That, that's a rough one. Yeah. I, that, that's a good. That's a good cry pick. I'll give you that. Heck yeah. All right. All right, so the next one I got is a more recent entry. It is from 2016, Manchester by the Sea. Have you oh, seen Oh, brother. It? Yes, I did. <laughs> All right, so uh, this movie, this whole movie, you're watching Casey Affleck. Remember him? He was a thing at one time. Uh, so he's, you know, kind of depressed the entire movie, and you don't really know why till about halfway through. So then this is where it comes in, everybody. We find out that when drunk one night, when oh, he decided please. to go to the store, he forgot to put up the guard in front of his fireplace, and which subsequently started a fire at his house. They killed all of his children, and I his mean, wife barely escaped as well. And then, of course, obviously, she holds it against him. I mean, he holds it life. against himself. The, the subsequent scene in the police station immediately oh, after. I, oh, there! If you are somehow able to watch that scene without getting choked I, up, a you bit, know. I didn't even love that movie. Neither did I. I didn't even think it was a great movie. And then I was just mad that you didn't even give me a great movie, but you ripped my soul out of my body. I mean, when he, oh, I didn't want to say, but when he's like standing there and like, oh, it's just one of those parts where your heart breaks and you just feel, even though you don't really know the guy and, you know, it is. You don't need to. Objectively, (laughs) it is his fault. But then like the way he reacts to it, you're just like, oh my God, dude. He made a mistake and it's the worst mistake yeah, you could possibly make, and then the movie keeps hammering it home that like, and then yeah, that's it, a that's it, a real barrier face in your hands yeah. kind of cry. Not a happy ending in this movie either. It makes you think it's going to give you one, but no, not really. Psych. <laughs> so if you Kenneth Lonergan, I don't know what what's who hurt this guy when he was younger because he he's known for putting up like cry movies, see Mystic yeah. River and such. But if you're looking for a, a good cry movie that you could find, go check out Miss um, Manchester by the Sea. That's well done. That's well done, Jacob. Okay, here's an oldie, um, but a goodie, Steel Magnolias. Oh, boy. Right? Those classics. This really is a true classic. It's about a group of Southern women at a beauty salon. Um, 
this film has top-notch talent. We've got Sally Field, Julia Roberts, Dolly Parton. I feel like that's all you really need to know to watch a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those films that I think you watch whenever it's on, regardless of how many times it has coaxed tears from your eyes. When that used to pop on cable, I was like, yeah, Steel Magnolias, of course I'm in for it. Yeah, it's like, let me, let me just go and put this on pause and go get my go get a sweater on or something yeah, prepare movie. myself the reasons you're gonna cry i mean it's a movie about a group of like sister friends one of whom tragically dies mm-hmm. after having a kid against doctor's orders yep if, so, if you have a pulse you will cry we got our yeah you're gonna it's one of those ones that it just you get kind of see it coming but you're like i know you're, not, but you're you just, still not ready for you it. just don't want to and also dolly parton's in it so that doesn't make you cry but it's a good enough reason, I think, to see anything. Oh, the, you mean you mean Saint Dolly, the one who create helped create the vaccine? That, that she's one? really been she's been super amazing. The weepiness level in this this is some some snotty nose blowing. I'd oh. say. Oh, you know, it's yeah. not it's not full on sobbing. I mean, but you're there. Yeah, we're, we're dealing with great actresses doing emotional material designed to pull the cries right out of you. So. Heck yeah, go go check it out, but it's a good choice. Oh, all right. You ready? Yeah. I got another one. I got, another, right. I got another animal one. Oh, another animal another one? Another animal one. All right. So this one's actually a documentary. It's an HBO documentary from 2012 called One Nation Under Dog. That wow, kind I of, don't even know this. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a okay. reason. You're not going to want to watch it. All right, passing. Uh, so so it's a three-part documentary. Um, so the first part is uh, called Fear. It's about... Um, People who have dogs that they don't necessarily take the best care of and the dogs get a little angry and can dislike, be a little violent. I dislike this already. So it's about a guy who has a couple dogs and he doesn't bother trading them. They could be a little iffy and a little bitey. So that one. <laughs> a little bitey. But the okay. guy still defends them. So the first part's not really the part that's going to get you. It's part two and three that are the killers. So part two is called Lost. That is an entire section where people deal with talking about their dead pets. So it's nothing oh but pictures God. of dead dogs, oh. people giving stories about their lives with them. Oh, it's going to kill you. Oh, but part three. Oh, <laughs> part my God. Part three's worse? Oh, my God, part three. Part three <laughs> is called Betrayal. So this one talks about animal overpopulation, um, life in shelters. It talks about oh. puppy mills and such. Oh. And then in the part that will, it's going to screw you up for life, and I still hear it in my dreams. There is three-minute real footage, actual footage, of stole, taken from one of these, uh, like, puppy farms where it is audio and video of, like, a whole box, like, 50 dogs all getting gassed at once. <gasps> so they show how they, like, kill them and how, why what? they get rid of them. Yeah, because they have too many of them. They can't get rid of them. So they put them in a big pit and then gas them. And then the video... <sighs> You can hear the dogs like whining oh and crying, and oh, just dude. stop! I can't even, I can't even hear any more of a description. Dude, truly, it, it is the worst. It makes you. I'm never watching that. It I, is I could so cry bad. just thinking about that. It is so bad, and like it connects to another one I was going to mention. Like it literally makes you want to go John Wick on all of these people. You just want to go in there with a sledgehammer and start oh swinging. Oh my god! It is brutal, man. And like it is just rivers. Niagara Falls crying when you're watching that scene at the yeah. end. Yeah. I like literally I feel weepy and I'm not even looking at anything. And this is one of those HBO documentaries. So they are, you know, they're getting all the details. They got legit sources on this. Um, To my parents who listen to this, don't watch this. No, 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 no. Do not watch it. Don't watch this at all. Um, But if you if you really want to get all your emotions and find out why animal advocates um, are activists are so like into what they do. This is an example. Why, guys? Because it is horrific. Wow, Jacob, that was 
That was actually a lot for this morning. I know it fit the episode I, really well. Was, but uh, the episode was your idea. I'm just going along with your theme. I did want to <laughs> lean into it. All right. Well, I'm moving this movie now. I mean, none of this even seems sad anymore after <laughs> your documentary. But I have to put The Notebook in there. Of course. Um, 1940s, South Carolina. Little old mill worker Noah, played by Ryan Gosling. He's super cute in this, especially when he grows a beard. And then we hey. have rich girl Allie. Yeah, what, what's wrong with Rachel McAdams, man? She's cute in this movie. I was getting to Rachel McAdams. <laughs> They're desperately in love. Oh, such love. But her parents don't approve. Noah goes off to serve in World War II, and that kind of seems like that's the end of their whole affair. Um, and then in the interim, Allie becomes involved with a, another young man who's also just super hot. Allie yeah. really pulls because she's got James Marsden. But when Noah returns to their small town years later, hey girl. it's the cusp of Allie's marriage, but it becomes clear that their romance is anything but over. Talk about a Sophie's Choice between James Marsden and Ryan Gosling, <laughs> am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the worst way to use it. But yes, that would be very difficult to choose. The reason you're going to cry. Okay, look. This movie is schmaltzy as hell. I'm not going to lie. Oh, it hits all the, it's, all the high points. It's all of it. But it is also deeply romantic. And it is tragic in the way that all love stories are tragic because they can't possibly last it's true. forever. I forget where I heard it, but all love stories are tragedies, guys. It's oh. a fact. Give me a second. I need a minute. So I'm going to say the weepiness level on this is some very ugly crying. I mean, this is some distorted face. I will say that I read the book and this was I didn't know who Nicholas Sparks was. I was younger and I just remember my family was moving at the time and they moved into a new house and it was empty. And I was like it was like in between whatever. And I was sitting on the floor finishing the notebook. And I was like dead sobbing, like couldn't catch my breath. My mom was like, what is happening? And I was like, why did anyone write this book? <laughs> like what? I, and, but now I understand it's when you just really need it. Oh, yeah. Even the, and the movie really hits on those points, too. Like, oh, God. I know ending, James Gardner. The ending is so sad. Oh, it, it's it, it's unbelievably sad. Oh. Like there's numerous sad parts. It's not just one sad. You think it's going to be the, oh, there's going to be one sad scene at the end of this movie. No. They hit you with about four or they five. They really do. They just keep rubbing it in. You're like, yeah. What do they got? I got it. We got sickness. We got Alzheimer's. We got. Um, Lost love. Other we've relationships. Got, we got longing. We got so Ryan stuff. Gosling morphing into James Garner. There's a lot of depressing stuff that happens <laughs> at the end of this movie. Yeah, I like to think that Ryan's going to look a little better. I would hope the, so. At the end of the life. But yes, if you somehow haven't seen The Notebook, um, you can do it. You can get through it. It's uh, it's, it's worth a, the pain. Yeah, it's, it's a thing, everybody. What else? Okay. All right, so we'd be remiss if we didn't go for a threefer. We got to talk about the all-time cry studio that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. We want to hit you with some Pixar movies that are definitely going to get you. <clears throat> list a couple. What do you think are the saddest? All right, so Inside Out, of course, the story of a young girl's... Uh, I cried a lot, bank. yep. Oh, when she loses her little imaginary oh, friend there? Come oh, come on. It's, it's, forget about it. There's going to be tears openly coming out. Oh. The first 10 minutes of Up. The one that curse they just, you up, they, curse you. <laughs> I thought I'm coming to watch a kid's cartoon. <laughs> how here, dare you? And instead, I am watching a meditation on how your life is just going to end and everybody you love is going to die. And then it's like, hey, here's a talking dog in some balloon house. Have fun. It's Correct. like, no, get out of my face with that. <laughs> and then, oh, the one that really got me, Toy Story three, the end of Toy Story three because it's the <gasps> end of the original trilogy. Yeah. When like uh, oh when when like the kids walking away and then like Woody does his little so long partner thing oh. it's like oh 
Truly. Well, you got to you got to remember for Truly. me and Michelle, we've been watching these movies since we were children. Yeah. So it's basically like saying goodbye to your own toys. It really you oh. definitely feel it. I definitely cried in that too. Those are probably the saddest Pixar. I mean, there's oh, a lot, but those like, are you know, definitely Souls up there. got its moments, and yeah, like all of them have some um, sad moments, but yeah, those are like the big three. Yeah. Like the movies that nope, they're not going to watch those ever again. I'm never going to watch up again. <laughs> not a chance. No, I mean I watched up in theaters, and I was like, just you're sobbing in the first ten minutes of a cartoon and you're like this is not what i even signed up for at all i didn't got up and walked out i'm like i'm leaving give, give me some tickets to an action movie i don't want to watch this is not what uh, i wanted man well i like that you brought up cartoons because the next one that i have is actually a claymation okay which seems crazy that it would be so sad but this is mary and max i talked about it on the show before because i'm really obsessed with it it spans the film itself is like 20 years in two continents okay so you have mary and max and um it recounts their pen pal relationship but they're two super different people so we have mary she's this chubby little lonely eight-year-old living in the suburbs of melbourne australia and then we have max this severely obese 44 year old jewish man with asperger's syndrome living in new york city and like they find each other in the phone book and they become pen pals and it's claymation and you know seems like it'd be a good time but this movie captures the essence of intense loneliness and isolation Mm -hmm. and suicidal depression and the power of a single human connection in a way that I think no movie with live action actors has ever even done I mean yeah yeah did I you agree. see it? I did see it. Yeah, it's a very good, very good one. It's so sad. I started watching it with my stepdaughter and ended up. I was like, maybe you should go because she was really young at the time, and I was like, this has themes that I wasn't anticipating. The weepiness level here is this is more crying than you ever expected to do for claymation characters for sure. Oh yeah, you, it, you, it's usually used as a fun medium, not at all, uh, not at all in this case. Holy cow, no! So that's a that's a rough one, but again, I think it's a really beautiful film, and I just highly recommend it. You know, even if you're not looking to cry and you're looking for a good movie, Mary and Max fits in. There you go. Oh. It's a rough episode. Why do we decide decide to do this one? All right. So the next one is another new one. It was up for Best Picture two years ago, I think. 2019's Jojo Rabbit. Oh, Jojo. So Taika, best director in Hollywood right now. Taika's great. And this movie is really enjoyable. It is not, for a movie that's set in Nazi Germany, it's not as overall oppressively depressing as you would think it would be. Oh, but there is a big turn in this movie. It's you know relatively fun romp as much as you can be. Talking about this kid's life growing up in Nazi Germany and how he's kind of getting brainwashed into it. Uh, his mom, played by Scarlett Johansson, is oh, like the Scar Jo. She's so good in she, it. She actually is really good in this movie. She's like one of the. Uh, she's the one like little trying to show him the light in uh, life and try to get him out of this whole Nazi mindset that he's getting brainwashed into. Until about near the end of the movie, where some stuff goes down and. Uh, tying your shoes takes on a whole new meaning in this particular scene. And the fact that when it happens that Taika was able to, you know, there's certain things that you expect people to do like close-ups on, uh, you know, dead people and everything in movies. He avoids doing it. And yet, and and yet it's sadder. Yeah. It is so much more effective. (laughs) Yeah, it's Um, true. And, 
Oh, it, also, his little friend in this film. I love everything oh, about that kid. Oh, kid is delightful. That kid's delightful. So this one's going to give you some uh, some laughs for sure, but oh, it is it is rough, everybody. Yeah. It reminds you by why Nazis, uh, not so great people. There's <laughs> so great. No such thing as a good Nazi. Remember that, everybody. Jacob's hot take. Yeah, um, Nazi's all right. bad. I'm joining the Jacob crew, and I have a dog film. Uh-oh. <sighs> My dog, Skip. Oh, boy. Right? Yeah. Holy Another cow. one for the same kind of deal. Same kind of deal. We've got uh, Frankie Muniz is in this, and he receives this really talented little terrier named Skip for his birthday. And with Skip's just remarkable and unconventional help, they kind of turn yeah. bullies into friends at school, and they tangle with these there's moonshiners. Um, we get the affection from the prettiest girl at school. Skip can do anything, okay? That's how great this I love is. you, Skip. The reasons you're going to cry. There should be a rule. Do you know the rule about Chekhov's gun? Mm-hmm. So that if a gun appears in the first act, it it's got, better it's be. It's got to show up by the third. Exactly. It better be used. And there should be Chekhov's dog. Because if there is a dog in a heartwarming family film in the mm-hmm. first 10 minutes, mm-hmm. The dog is going to die by the end of the movie. And yes, the dog dies. I told you there were spoilers, and it's awful. It is awful. A lot of the time, it literally uh, gives me panic Look, when I see a dog show up in a movie because I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, this is what's going to happen. The weepiness level for this one, I'm talking full-on heaving sobs. You can't catch your breath when you are when you are watching the end nope. of my dog skip. Nope. And I'm going to get it out there, too. I Am Legend is another one that has that in there. When he's got to <sighs> kill his dog in that movie. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Yep. You're like, oh, you know, his only friend in the world. Literally. His only companion. Con- considering it's covered by vampire zombies. <sighs> oh. Yeah. So definitely you want to cry. I promise you, you won't be disappointed with no. my dog skip. No, no, no. Check that one out. <laughs> All right. This is, why is this fun? It's it's torturous fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Let's go with the next one here. 2003's Big Fish from Tim Burton, Ewan McGregor. Oh, and he's pushing him around in the wheelchair. Oh, yeah. And Mm. this is a movie about Mm -mm -mm. a son who doesn't really know his dad, is frustrated by everything about his dad because, you know, he feels like his dad's been lying to him his whole life with these uh, fantastical tales he's been telling him, which obviously are not true. But then, you know, as the movie goes, you're like, he always never understood why his dad just wouldn't tell him exactly the truth, why he's always embellishes everything. Yeah. And as it goes on, he starts to see why his dad did it to try to, like, make life a little more interesting, to add more flavor, to let his son see more color in the world. Of course, he doesn't realize that till his dad's already on his deathbed and mm. on the way out. The last half hour of this movie, oh, it, it, and especially if you don't have a great relationship with your father. Or you didn't. better you better have your hand on a wall for support to oh, keep yeah. you upright. It is going to beat you down. And then, <laughs> like, at the very end, when you find out that maybe all the tales that he told weren't necessarily lies. They were just embellishments of the truth. Just beautiful. Because, yeah, when all these people that were in these stories, the son meets him at the funeral. It's like, oh, oh my God, dude. Yeah. Appreciate your parents, you know, if you got some good ones while they're around, everybody. Because once they're gone, that's a wrap, man. There's no no going back and no fixing stuff. So Another hot take by Jacob. Yeah, see that? I like that. I'm deep, man. Mm-hmm. I, got, I got some layers here. Well, speaking you. of family and your parents, I'm going to talk about the film Lion. Oh. oh, come on, man. Nicole so, Kidman making an appearance on this episode. We have a young Indian boy. He gets separated from his family. Um, he ends up on a train and then the train just drives thousands of miles from his home and he has no idea 
where he's from or how to describe his village or speak the language. So he ends up being taken in and he's raised by a loving family, which is amazing. Oh, like, absolutely. That's really great for him. And, and as a grown up, he's played by Dev Patel with the best hair I think I've ever seen in Dev, a movie. Dev Patel's hair game is always on his point. His hair man. game is so on point. But he really yearns to find the family that he lost, obviously. Reasons you're going to cry, I mean, it's everything I just said. A little Indian boy gets separated from his family and goes in search of his birth family. And then, like, at the end, finds his mama Mm -hmm. who just, like, lost her son one day. The weepiness level of this film... I think is some of the heaviest crying that you're going to do in a movie. Oh, you're it's going to be you're going to be shattered everybody. You're just like you're they gonna... lost this time together, like his brother and oh, oh and then the brother. Remember what happened with the brother? No, I'm not I, even going to get yeah, into that. Yeah, that's a whole other level. We that don't is gotta... a whole other level of absolute weepiness. So, yeah, Sea Lion start off for Dev's hair but stay for the absolute sobbing that you will do. It's going to make you wonder why Dev Patel's not in more stuff. He just did the Green Knight, but you figure out good of an actor that guy is. You'd oh, I think I think he's we're going to see him in more and more stuff. It's I know be, Dev Patel and Riz Amin are going to be fighting Riz Ahmed are going to be fighting over roles for the next oh, 20 yeah. 30 years for sure. Those beautiful beautiful men. Um I have many more, but I know we're running out of time. Let's shorten it up. Yeah, I'll hit you with a quick, quick couple of okay. Still Alice from 2014. Oh, I can't with the Alzheimer's movies. Come on. <laughs> Bridge to Terror Bithia. Oh, oh that, I never I, saw that. Out of nowhere, death scene. That's going okay. like, to completely sh- shock you. Here, uh, I'll throw. I'm gonna throw in Moulin Rouge. There you go. For uh, me, that's definitely that's that's got uh, some sadness. A uh, million dollar baby. That's another one. A oh, million dollar baby. Okay, if Beale Street could talk. If uh, that's another good one. Right. If you are a comic fan, Endgame and WandaVision are gonna just kill you when okay. you're done watching those I'm gonna, ones. I'll believe. Oh, the movie Stepmom. Oh, Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon and Julie Roberts movie. Her little son telling her no one will ever love you the way I do. Come on. Also, yeah, that also, Ed Harris, man, you're moving from Susan Sarandon to Julie Roberts. That's an an upgrade, (laughs) dude. Well done. Those are happy tears. (laughs) Um, All right. So last one for me. Do you want to do one more last? No, go for it. My girl. Oh. Right. It seems like an original, like when you learned as a kid how much movies could make you cry. Because I feel like as a kid that went to see this movie because the boy from Home Alone was in it, got a really huge surprise. You you think it's going to be good, and then this movie turns into the Wicker Man at the end. I mean, seriously. I I mean, as traumatizing as the big twist is, I think that this is a coming-age movie is really kind of like comfort food in movie form. Oh, yeah. Like, it still feels uh, really good. We got the young Anna Klumski. She's great. She is. She's a really good movie going forward, too. But, you know, even if you're not a child of the 90s, Macaulay Culkin... Is this just the most adorably sweet little dweeb in this movie? His glasses don't stay on his face, Stop Michelle. Stop it. They Stop don't stay it. on. He, he, got, has, he needs them to see. He has a fatal bee allergy, and it's going to ruin you. I can't believe you brought up the glasses. I, I knew it would get you. I knew it would work. I need a second. The weepiness level in this is, it's not the whole film. There's just a, but the few minutes of intense bawling. Oh, is yeah. going to happen. They set you up for it, and man, they, they really knock you down at the end of that movie. 
Oh, the glasses. He needs his glasses to see. I uh-huh. hate that you just did that to me so much. I'm done. Jacob, just like plug us up. Get us out of here. So if you are looking to uh, dehydrate yourself a little bit and want to check out these movies, we got them all available at your local library. We have 37 branches all across Erie County. Stop on by and say hi. You can also check out our website at www.buffalolib.org. See what kind of programs we got going on and see if we have your book you're looking for. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at AllBookedUpPod. Let us know what movies you are watching to cry this weekend. Yes, please do. So a couple facts. Did you know crying, it really does make you feel better? Scientists videotaped 60 people as they watched sad movies. So of the 60, 28 cried during the screening, which means 32 did not. So the researchers found that directly after the movie, the people who had cried, they definitely felt sadder than the people who didn't. However... 90 minutes later, those who had let their feelings out felt significantly better than their dry-eyed counterparts over there. And more importantly, they also felt better than they did before they watched the movie. That does not have to do with all the alcohol that they consumed immediately (laughs) after crying. Crying is good for you, people. Embrace it. Um, On average, a person's eyes make 15 to 30 gallons of tears a year. That sounds about right. I make about about 60 because I'm very (laughs) affected by everything that I watch and listen to. That's a lot of salt water. Um, This is very interesting. Men's tear ducts are larger than women's, meaning that when men cry, their tears are less likely to spill down their faces. So I think we always think of women crying more because we kind of picture these tears rolling down, but it's just that men, it just isn't the same way. I do bite it back with tears. I'll admit that. You can, you can hold them in if you're a guy, if, you're, if you try hard enough. Oh God, I just will explode. And the last fact I think is so interesting is that humans are the only animals that cry tears of sadness. So, I mean, many animals emit cries of fear or alarm, as we horribly learned with Jacob's puppies here. Um, But these are always noises with no tears. So we're the only ones who get sad and cry tears. And non-human primates like chimps, they are known to cry um, when they're separated from their mothers. And don't forget when Coco the gorilla, when she cried so much when she heard that Robin Williams died and when her first kitten died. Do you remember any of that? No, I don't. Coco. She she became friends with Robin Williams. Anyway, she would let out these sob-like sounds. She would use her sign language and sign the word cry. Um, And her emotional distress was very clear. But again, absence of tears. We're the only ones that do it. Well, lucky us humans. Evolution gave us another fun little thing. (laughs) Look at that. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Get yourself a box of tissues, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Ha 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 